my uh, random thought, but my, my son takes great pleasure in one of his gifts being that he can take me you know, one of these big bottles and just sort of chug it like that. I'm such a proud father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's still water, that's our word to him. Yeah. You know, every time that uh, come up here and have the privilege of proclaiming um, God's word um, for us, feel like you know there should be some you know, like a surgeon general's warning, you know, because th- this this stuff's going to mess with your life. Yeah, it's just, it's going to cause, it's going to lead you into places where you will face storms. That, that's just the way that the Word of God is. And, and now, particularly if we're saying that we, we're wanting to be brave and take steps of, of bravery, of faith, of really following um, after Jesus, then, you know, I almost have to apologize for this series. In saying, I'm sorry, as you step into faith, you're going to face storms. You're going to face obstacles. You're, you're going to face trials. Because that's what the Scriptures say. That's what Jesus says. what He said to His disciples in Mark chapter 10. Peter is, is crying out to, to Jesus and saying, you know, man, we've, we've left everything, all the things that we've left. We have left that way of life and we have turned and we are following you. So what do we get for that? Mark 10, verse, verse 28. Peter began to say to him, to Jesus, look, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I tell you. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions. Sort of snuck that in there, didn't he? Because, yeah, yeah, you got to leave everything. I mean, I am Lord of all, so you leave everything and you follow after me. And, and, but when you follow after me, then you're, you're following after the creator of the universe. You get brothers and sisters and households and fields hundredfold in this life. And then he says, oh, and, and in the life to come, and in the age to come, eternal life. But in the midst of that, you are sure to face persecutions. You're sure to face trials. Man, I wish it were some other way. You know, I, I wish that, that it would be one where it, it, would, be, it would be different. You know, that it would be like, hey, follow after Jesus and then everything's downhill from there. You're just coasting the rest of the way. And, and then we get to go to heaven. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're liking that. Yeah. Get a loud amen on that sermon. But that's not what the scriptures say. On that note, let's pray. Father, speak to us. 
teach us, show us, um, lead us so that in our lives, in the trials, in the persecutions, in the times when we step out in faith, in where you are leading us, doing the thing you're calling us to do, and it leads to storms. Help us understand, help us understand you, help us walk with you, speak to us in this moment and in the storms. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You, know, you, you see it over and over again in scriptures where, where folks, you know, they're following after what God has called them to do and they just face opposition. Um, Jeremiah, he's one of the prophets uh, in the Old Testament, one of the guys that, that God calls and says, I'm going to give you words that you need to go speak to the kings. You need to speak to my, my people. And what did it get Jeremiah? But one headache after another. I mean, he was thrown in jail. He was ostracized, opposed over and over again. And this is like, uh, this is the worst thing I think could ever happen. Um, he worked on, you know, maybe you can relate to this if you're in school, but he, he worked on a, a paper for a long time of what God was telling him to tell to the king. And he wrote it all down. And in those days, you know, there was no backup. There, there, there was, you know, uh, computers hadn't yet been invented. In, in that day. And uh, matter of fact, it took a lot to write stuff down. And he wrote it all down and he brought it to the king. This is what God says. And what did the king do? Threw it in the fire. I can't imagine that. I mean, you work on a sermon and you pull it all together and there's one copy and one only copy and somebody throws it in the fire. The minute you show up, that would just be horrible. But that's what Jeremiah had to face. There are trials all around. Paul, the Apostle Paul, now he was like the first great missionary. He was the one that God called and and led and and, and trained and then go and plant churches throughout the known world. And so he'd go from city to city. He'd proclaim the good news. I mean, he's bringing them the good news of salvation for humankind and he's bringing it with with others and planting churches there so that then that good news could, could be proclaimed throughout that area. And what does it get him? But it gets him shipwrecked a number of times, bit by a snake, in jail, imprisoned over and over again, thrown out of a number of cities wherever he goes and eventually he's killed as a follower of Jesus. Stepping out and doing the right thing. What God is calling you to do. Taking that brave step. Whatever your brave step may be is going to lead to resistance and trials and opposition. And as Pastor Dennis said, you know, they, they come from all different kinds of places. The, the devil is real. There's a, the personification of evil is organized and working. And any time things get organized to really pursue what is good and what is healthy, there's going to be opposition. Things thrown in your way to stop you from experiencing the beauty of God's will in your life. Society, the ways of society, the ways of people in general, when we get together in groups, we just naturally oppose change. We just, we want to go with the flow. We, we want the status quo. And so anytime somebody stands up and says, you know, God is calling us to go this way, then the rush of the current is going to be great. Just the way that people are. Even if the way you've been going is destructive, even if it's headed towards a waterfall, just the 
We don't like change. So that kind of resistance is going to be within us. And then internally, the resistance within us of just fear and anxiety, shame, insecurity, you know, that, that, that is going to rise up. I mean, we're, we're going to, it's amazing, isn't it? The, the, the things we can imagine in our head as we start to take the way of God of just how we're, we're going to be totally destroyed by stepping in and doing the right thing and, and pursuing and making peace, reconciliation, or addressing the, the addictions in our own lives. You know, that we know God's calling us to do that, but man, there's all kinds of opposition within us. Those are the storms that rage, that we'll face as we follow after Jesus. Thank you. So far, nobody's gotten up and left yet. But why? Why does God allow those? God's more powerful than the devil. God's more powerful than any society. And He's more powerful than my own fear. But why does God allow those? Why even can we say in the end, and why biblically we hear Peter, James, and Paul all say storms even turn out for good. Now, there are certain things about storms that aren't good. Stuff that that we encounter and go through that's evil. But God allows those storms because they're for a greater purpose. The first reason that those storms are allowed is because they build our maturity in Christ. They strengthen us to become more and more like Christ. They build and develop our faith and our maturity in Him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. You can turn there or follow along on the screen. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you've had to suffer various trials. Now, even there, you're going to hear this a couple times. It's not only that storms are stuff you got to, oh, let's make it through. Okay, here we go again. Peter, and you'll hear later, they rejoice in these trials, in these storms. So that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you've not seen Him, you love Him. Even though you don't see Him now, you believe in Him. And you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I don't know that that describes me when I'm in the middle of the storm. But I appreciate what Peter is saying. It's the storm, it's the trial that brings out, that develops actually the genuineness of your faith. 
doesn't test it in the sense of seeing is it real or not, but it tests it in, in, the, say, in the same way the illustration that he gives. Like gold is tested through fire. The fire causes the gold to melt. And as it melts and it gets hotter, the impurities in the gold, they're separated from the gold so that after, in the middle of the fire, you scoop away the impurities and what's left is a more pure gold. The storms in our lives do that to our faith and our maturity in Christ. It reveals to us our own brokenness. It reveals to us our own sin. It shows us the ways that we're relying on ourselves or human wisdom. The ways that, that I'm thinking more about me than I am of you. Ways I'm thinking more about me than I am of Jesus. It shows that to me in broad daylight. For me to see and think I can hide from you or at least hide from my wife. But it does. It shows it for me and others to see. And that's a gift. It's a gift to see that sin and say, Jesus, take care of that. That's the gift of the storm. Because on a day, a day's going to come that, that we're going to meet with Jesus and Jesus is going to be revealed. And that, as Jesus has changed me, praise be to God, miracle upon miracles, that Jesus is going to be honored and glorified by us because we've been changed and made more and more like Him. He's going to sit with you and, and say, Chris, well done. You, you, you pleased me. Yeah, Sarah is going to sit with you and say, great, you've grown. You've, you've pleased me. He's going to sit with you too, Matthew and Nicholas and say, well done. He was raising his hand. (laughs) And he's going to sit with us at College Hill Presbyterian Church through the storms. The storms have been what has formed you more and more into my likeness, more and more to be my body. Oh, I rejoice at that. Jesus will say. That's the storm and and what it's doing. That's why it's so good and why Peter, who's so in touch with that, can rejoice even in the middle of it. Um... Remember the biosphere? You ever heard of that, the biosphere? You know, it, it was in uh, Arizona. Um, I think we have a picture of it here. It's three and a half acre compound, right? That's totally, I mean completely sealed from the surrounding atmosphere. There's not even air that goes in um, from, from the atmosphere, from outside of it, into it. And there was a desire, the 80s and 90s, you know, they put eight people in there so that it would be totally self-sufficient. You know, so that it would be its own self-sustaining kind of, of community. I mean, it would make its own oxygen. It would make its own water. You know, everything would, would happen um, in, in there. And it was a, really a great experiment. You know, and a lot of things that, that were learned. And like any experiment, it failed. I mean, it, it didn't work totally. But experiments in the end aren't supposed to. What you, what you learn from them. Um, but... And there's a number of things that we learn from him. One is that um, you know God created the first biosphere and it's still working. You know, and so we created. Bi- it's actually called Biosphere Two, and and it it lasted I think about a year, year and a half. You know, so I don't know. You know, millions, billions of years versus a year and a half. That's probably a good gauge as to the difference. You know, we can understand how God's creation would last. So long. That's one thing we, we learned from that. I'm not sure the scientists included that in their report. But 
One thing they didn't learn, one of the things that was missing, that was essential for life and for growth in, in that biosphere, was wind. There's no wind. Well, wind and storms cause plants and trees to get stronger and to grow. It's actually when, when trees, when they face the wind or the storm, they actually grow what they call they grow more wood in the areas to support them against the winds that are they're being caused. They actually call that wood stress wood. So the, the stress that we face, the storms that we face, build stress wood. S- stress faith. Stress maturity within us. The storms, the wind was absolutely necessary. And without it, some trees would grow and just collapse. They'd just fall over. Because they didn't have enough strength. They they didn't have deep enough roots. The, The wind let them believe in the lie of the health and wealth gospel. And when they really faced the, the challenges, just self-imploded. So if your goal, if the goal in, in your life, in our life today, together, is to glorify Jesus, to be more and more like Him, then we see the gift that the storms are in our own lives. If that truly is our purpose. Just turn one page back then to James chapter 1. The, the storms help deepen our maturity in Christ. And then the, the, the storms form our endurance in this life. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, now here you go again, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. James recognizes fully that we need to be strengthened to face this life as a witness for Jesus. And it's the storms that cause it. And when those storms come, when we step out in following Jesus and we face opposition, then we stay strong in the face of that wind, in the face of that storm, knowing that it's growing, strengthening us, our very souls, so that we might continue to endure and do more and more, becoming more and more like Jesus for His glory and His honor. Again, looking to that day when we will be like Him. I mean, think about this for a little bit. The people that you admire. You know, the, the people that, 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 you, that you, you think of as, as wise and as, as a sage in your own life. Was their life easy? You know, were they, they just on the, the lazy river ride, just sort of going on the floats? wherever it went, or did they face opposition and trials and all kinds of struggle? And did that not be the very thing that led them to gain the wisdom and the strength that we so admire and that we're so compelled to hear from them? Another, another illustration of that for me, going back to the flora and fauna, to the, to the plants that are around us, my favorites 
plant of all kinds, of everything, are, are the live oaks. I love the live oak trees. You know, those are, you can't quite see just how big these trees are. But, you know, I love the, the, the top one. Just how majestic and glorious and gnarly it is. You know, I mean, what happened to make those branches grow that way? You know, what, what kind of forces did they engage? What kind of storms did they face that you got these branches that growing all the ways that it did? I mean, they're beautiful. And majestic. Now, you can get a size of their scale by the next, next picture. And you can see those are three real human beings at the bottom of that glorious live oak tree. And, and, and even if you, if you, you look to, uh, to the um, left, you know, look, look at that branch. That goes, how heavy is that branch? And how in the world is that tree even able to support that branch? You know, live oaks, um, there's a couple things about them. One, they grow very slowly. And so they build strength really well. They don't, they don't, they're not fast growing uh, so that they're tall and big but weak and, and thin. They are strong. And the other is they, they, you only find them now along the coastlines, um, particularly around the Atlantic, southern Atlantic coast and in the Gulf Coast. Uh, on the coast from like Texas up to South Carolina. And part of the reason is because that's hurricane land. And so the hurricanes come through and every so often they destroy all the other fast-growing trees in the area. Largely. They destroy them, but the live oaks, they remain. So in a way, the hurricanes, the storms come through, destroy all the competition. But the live oaks, who grow slow and strong, they just continue then to grow on their slow and steady pace and become these gnarly, gorgeous, magnificent parts of God's creation. That's what we want to be. That's what I want to be. I want to be like a live oak. And it grows slowly and steadily and strongly and in the midst of the storms and looks you know, gnarly in different places along the way because of the strength facing the storms. That only comes because the storms come that force us then to depend on the power of Jesus. That's the third gift of the storm. The storms build us a maturity, more and more like Him. They build us endurance and, and strength to face them. And then third, they build endurance. They, they build dependence upon Jesus. Maturity in Jesus, strength in Jesus, and dependence upon Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. Paul's in a conversation with the church in Corinth, and they're, they're arguing with him about, is he really the apostle that he says he is? Is he really the guy they should listen to? Yeah, and, and Paul's trying to defend himself, but do so in, in humility. And, and, and what he's talking about here is that, that Paul has had revelations from God. He has, he has had particular situations in prayer where he's seen things that no other human being has seen. So that then he can tell the church. Well, this is what God's teaching us uh, to do. And, and so now he's trying to, in a sense, sort of defend himself and, and say, listen, this is true about me, but do so in humility. 
So, but if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. You know, so that's where he's saying, I've had these revelations, but I'm not going to boast about that. They're, they're true, they're real, but I, just, I want you to focus just on what I say and who I am right now. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, another word that you can use to translate there is conceited. To, to keep me from being too elated or too conceited, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated or too conceited. That God allowed something from the evil one to connect with Paul, to penetrate Paul, to cause him harm, I mean, to, to a storm from the devil himself that God allowed. Now, what it is, we don't know. In a way, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. Three times, he says, I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly, Paul goes on, Now I'm going to boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. You want to hit the next one? Barry, thank you. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. The the gift of the storm is it leaves us defenseless. It leaves us without a place to turn, but just to say, unless this this isn't going to happen, unless you do it, Jesus, I am dependent upon you. In the fullness of my weakness, as Paul says, then I am strong. In the midst of weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. All in the name of Jesus. I mean, these, these come to Paul not because of other things. They come to him directly because he is following after Jesus. He's doing the very thing that Jesus called him to do. And all this is coming to him. And coming upon him. And he sees now the gift of the storm. And that it makes him utterly dependent and relying on the one thing that is the rock. It makes him utterly dependent on the one thing that is eternally secure. It frees him from relying on anything else of this world or anything else from anybody at all, anything within himself. It frees him from relying on something that we know is temporal, something we know is going to fall apart. It it frees him from relying on any of that so that he is relying on the one and only sure, eternal Christ. That's a real gift. When the storm makes us rely on Jesus. 
Last year, uh, when we were going through the Brave series, um, Laura and John Schindeldecker were here. They were living in Cincinnati at the time, and they um, attended here periodically. And they were here on the Sunday that we talked about the storms. And if you remember, Laura and their, their story was that they, they were, they were uh, mission workers, or global workers for Christ. They've been on the mission field over 20 years, serving in the Middle East. Yeah, serving in the midst of places that you would see. It doesn't take you much to imagine the storms. You just got to turn on the TV to see the storms in the Middle East that you would face if you were really there evangelizing others in the name of Jesus. If you're inviting others to come follow Jesus. I mean, you, you can quickly imagine what those storms might be. They were there for 20 years doing that. And, and then the time came from folks that were um, overseeing the, the mission to say, you know, we think it would be best for you to move to the U.K., move to England. Yeah, and then, then you can do your work from there, and so we're going to have you spread out a little bit, strategic reasons for doing this. You know, and one would think, like, I thought, oh, good. You know, they're going to move out of being in the center of the Middle East, and they're going to move to England. You know, it's, it's good. They've been doing this for a long time. Maybe it's time to sort of settle in and things to sort of quiet down a little bit for them. Maybe things there will get easier. And they got kicked out. Got kicked out of England. They've been serving in the Middle East for 20 years since day. And so then they find themselves here wondering, Wait a minute, what, what's going on? And in the, in the middle of that, you know, Laura and John were, yeah, okay, what's this, this is a storm that we're in the middle of. What, what do you have in place? What, what are you doing in the midst of this, Jesus? Well, fast forward to today, they're now serving in Spain. You know, so here, here they are at this point of their career, and their, next, their storm now is learning Spanish. Um, and so they're learning Spanish, working there, and then they're going to be serving, again, throughout um, the, uh, the area of Europe and the, and the Middle East. But um, they sent us a little video just of Laura um, just sharing of a recent experience where she was reminded of being brave in the storms and shared that with some of her coworkers who had been working through some of the same Storms. So let's uh, hear from Laura. Recently, John and I were with friends that we used to minister with together in the Middle East. We lived together for 15 to 20 years with them, and yet God has called all of us to different places. But we were all together, and as we were sharing the things that were on our hearts, I realized that many of us have had some hard struggles. And as I was listening to some of our friends, as they were wrestling with how to see God in the midst of those difficulties, I was remembering the sermon series last year that that Drew did on being brave. And I was greatly ministered to by the passage from Matthew 14 about Jesus walking on the water and Peter getting out of the boat to walk on the water. There were three things that I shared with my friends about that passage. One is that the disciples were in the boat because Jesus called them to do that. He uh, knew that the storm would happen, but they were supposed to be there in the midst of the storm. And I was very encouraged by the point that Drew made that 
there are storms in life, and you don't cause them all. That sometimes just a part of being in this fallen world, we become parts of storms. The second point that he made was looking for the gifts of the storm. And that really, of course, sounds so odd. But in the midst of the own, our own storm of wrestling with what happens when, when your life changes and you're not doing what you thought you would be. For us, it was being asked to leave the United Kingdom when our visa was not um, allowed to continue on. And we were left with the uncertainty of what God's plan was for us. And we spent that last year back in the States. So as I was sharing with our friends, I shared that, you know, in, this, in the midst of the storm, Peter asked Jesus to, to command him to come, and he stepped down in faith. And in that faith, God was honored, stepping out in something that he'd never done, and it was hard. In the midst of that as well, Peter looked around, and he saw the things that were scary, which is what we do too, what I do. And I saw that, yeah, he cried out, Lord, save me. And I was very encouraged when Drew shared, that's a good place to be, to cry out, Lord, save us. Save us every day. Save us from our sense of being self-sufficient and dependent, independent of, of uh, what others, or the body of Christ or the world, whatever happens. We need to be dependent on our Savior. And so every day, in the midst of great storms or in the midst of things that um, just come our way that... Uh, we go through, it's good to say, Lord, save us from ourselves. Save us from um, not including you in the, in the process of walking in obedience with what's come our way. So I've been thankful in the midst of our own transition here. We now live in Spain that I and John and I have called on the Lord. Lord, save us because we haven't known always what to do. But God is faithful. So I'm thankful that in, in that brave series, I've learned that God is honored when we're brave to step out and trust him. And he's also honored when we cry out and we want his help for what um, he's called us to do. And I shared that with our friends, our dear friends. And they, I think they went away encouraged that God calls them to be brave too. God bless you. So the gifts of the storms that strengthen us in terms of our maturity in Christ, our endurance in Christ, our dependence upon Christ are to be experienced and shared with one another. And that's one of the other things that you hear from Laura there is it was with John and with other workers that they were encouraging and supporting one another. One of the biggest challenges when the storms come up that we can isolate. We can just try to do it by ourselves. Even try to do it just me and Jesus. You know, but we, we need one another. That's part of the reason that Jesus has, has created us in, in church and not just sort of in, individual little Christians, but we need one another. When you step out in faith, and some of you will face it, you've got a goal, you've got a heading that you're trying to pursue, and then you're, the storm's going to come. And when it comes, don't quit, don't give up, don't go run and hide by yourself. Go 
Hold the hands of other believers with you. Go, go tell them. Say, come help me. Fight this storm. Don't do it by yourself. You know, I'll, I'll say this uh, um, a number of times. This is one of the most powerful ex- meta- uh, examples of Scripture. You know, I think it's the difference between Judas and Peter. Judas and Peter both denied Jesus. They betrayed him. But Peter, in the midst of his shame, in the midst of all of his anxiety, he still hung out with the other disciples. He, still, he, he might have gone just fishing, but he went fishing with the other disciples. You know? And when Jesus did show up, man, he, he didn't go running. He went swimming <laughs> to him fast. Whereas Judas isolated and he left, separated the rest of the disciples, went by himself, and it led to his destruction. Now, when we the storms are real, and I no way, in the sense of being, I don't mean to make light and saying that there are things of rejoicing. That's just so crazy. That's like somebody being raised from the dead, kind of crazy. You know, we say the storms are a reason for for joy. I mean, they're hard, they're painful, they're really scary. So it's not something that we do just on our own, but with one another. Share that with each other. So if you've heard nothing more, I hope you've heard this, the, the truth that to follow after Jesus does not make life easier, but it does make it good. It does make it true. It does make it right. And it makes it beautiful. As we face even more storms and persecutions because we follow after Jesus. And He uses those in us, in you, and in me, to form into his beautiful body here on earth today. Amen.